Stand by to launch FanStream Sports. Three, two, one. Let's start. Hello, sports fans. Welcome to FanStream Sports. Nothing, nothing but pure sports. All right, it's the Jeff Thidoff Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Got a lot to get to today, and I um, want to start off talking about some of these uh, issues, legal issues going on with players in the SEC. Um, uh, Jalen Carter the uh, defensive tackle from Georgia. He uh, was out in Indianapolis. He's a projected top four pick. Could be the number one pick overall, depending if the Bears want to keep it or not. Um, and certainly a, a dynamic talent, had a great career at Georgia. But he gets out to the combine in Indianapolis for the NFL combine. And right before he's going to go on yesterday, it would have been, which would have been Wednesday, right before he's supposed to go to address the media, he gets word that a warrant's been issued for his arrest for um, his role in the accident on January 15th uh, that claimed the lives of an Alabama, I'm sorry, of a, uh, a Georgia staffer and a, uh, a teammate of his. So um, basically what happened was they, the, the car was being driven um, by uh, Channel LaCroix, who is 20, was 24 years old back on January 15th. And the car, a horrific accident, ended up, uh, like I say, killing her and also killing um, Devin Willick. Who was a Willock? Who was a teammate um, of Jalen Carter's at Georgia? And Jalen Carter was on the scene in a different vehicle at the time. But there were allegations uh, he was booked for reckless driving and racing on highways and streets, both misdemeanors. He was um, went back down to Georgia to uh, he got booked and then posted bond and then went back up to Indianapolis. Uh, for the combine Thursday, where he was going to be meeting with some teams, but it's troubling. There was allegations of maybe um, alcohol being involved in this, and the fact they were racing. I mean, the the details from the the, uh, the crash was it it basically hit a couple of utility poles. Um, the car that was uh, again, Lacroix was only 24 years old that she was driving, uh, using a, a vehicle she was not supposed to was not supposed to use for anything other than recruiting purposes or campus or university. Uh, business is what it's supposed to be used for, and this all happened um, in the uh, overnight. Like at, uh, I'm not sure exactly what time it was, but it was after midnight, I believe, when the accident occurred. So, um, Jalen Carter, not sure what's going to happen in the legal situation with him. Not sure how it's going to affect his draft stock. And I'm not trying to minimize the fact of what happened in the tragic accident that cost a couple people their lives, um, but. It, it's going to make NFL teams pause, as it should right now, until they get more of a detail, more of the picture of what exactly uh, role Jalen Carter played in this. And again, there are both misdemeanors for the reckless driving and racing on the highway. So it's not, at this time, it's nothing more than a couple of misdemeanors he's been charged with. But nonetheless, the timing of it is what the problem is um, for Jalen Carter as he's, again, he's supposed to, it was his one time to meet with the media. Uh, was yesterday. There's no other time to make that up. Adam Schefter said that on Thursday he was back in Indy and uh, was meeting with teams. So character will come into this. But look, I'm I'm not stupid on this. I know that if an NFL team thinks you're good enough, they're going to find excuses or reasons, I should say, maybe reasons to talk themselves into drafting you. If the NFL team uh, doesn't totally believe in you, then that's going to be one more reason to just to not believe in you and to, and to drop you down the draft board. I'm not sure if he'll drop down. I would imagine when it's all said and done, we, you know, we've still got uh, the draft is April 27th. So we're still almost two months from the draft. So um, I, I I imagine by then there'll be more of a, a clarity on what exactly happened. And I imagine Jalen Carter still goes in the top four when it's all said and done. But um, that was the big news out of the NFL Combine. We'll talk more about the Combine here shortly. 
the other news out of the SEC that I the, the legal stuff is just very troublesome. But um, Alabama could not have looked could not have looked more inept with how they're handling the Brandon Miller situation. Uh, Brandon Miller is the um, the freshman basketball player for them, one of the best players in the country. He'll be freshman of the year, and he might be national player of the year. He's going to be a, a top 10 draft pick in the NBA draft. So uh, Brandon Miller, allegedly, uh, he took a handgun that belonged to a former teammate now, but a teammate at the time of his. A teammate calls and says, hey, bring me my gun. And Miller, I guess, was kind of on his way already there. The gun was in the back seat of a car. Miller, according to um, police reports, he said he never touched the gun. And the gun was ended up being used to kill a 23-year-old woman. Um, and by this former teammate, the teammate that was kicked off the team. Um, but the fact that this, this happened back also on January 15th, by the way, ironically. And we never heard about Brandon Miller's involvement in it until just recently. And my problem with it is, well, first when it came out that he was, um, the police were talking to him. Now, he did nothing illegal, okay? Nothing illegal. As far as the state of Alabama goes, what, what, it, what he did is not illegal in any way, shape, or form. He, um, so there's no charges attached to this. He, the gun, though, that he did uh, deliver, which wasn't his gun, but the gun he did deliver did lead to a murder. So my problem with this is Alabama never sat him down at all. In the beginning, when they found out about this, and look, they, they knew about this back in January, they should have sat him down and at least made a statement about it as opposed to waiting for it to come out now and the, you know, well over a month later when it comes out that all these things happen. There is, I understand innocent until proven guilty, and there's nothing we have to worry about here legally for him. But Alabama... Also, Nate Oates, the head coach, comes out and says something to the effect of, you know, he was in the wrong place at the wrong time, then apologized for that. It was much more than that. They should have just at least sat him down, made a statement, said, look, this happened. This was tragic. Um, we're getting all of our uh, notes together. We're finding out exactly what happened. And during that time, we're going to have Brandon sit down, maybe for a game. Maybe that's all it would be for. Or at least address it, though, back when they find out about it. And say we're looking into it as opposed to just the way they look now. He's played all the way through. And the other night, um, it, on Sunday it was actually, and he comes out for his, you know, they they do all the pomp and circumstance, all the, the celebration, like the pregame thing. He comes off the bench, and there's a teammate standing at the end of the, the line of players, and they always do some kind of handshake or whatever, some kind of move. And the one they were doing, Brandon Miller comes out and puts his arm straight out. His teammate pats him down. And then he walks away like he's checking for a weapon is what it the way it looks, um, the optics of it to everybody. But now it does come out that he's been doing it all year, even before this incident. And the reason behind it was it was almost mimicking like a TSA type person who would frisk you, pat you down before you fly. And that was kind of the the reason behind it. That Brandon Miller said was that he wanted to, you know, he was he was giving a takeoff in the game. And so he had to be checked. That's what it was. Nonetheless, after this incident happened in January, this should have stopped. Now it has stopped. It's been brought to Nate Oates' attention. Nate Oates today had no idea what was going on. I don't buy that for one second. Nate Oates looks like an idiot through this whole thing. But Brandon Miller has now he's been told to stop doing that. Um, and my problem with all of this is what would have happened if it wasn't Brandon Miller? 
What would have happened if this were the eighth best player, ninth best player on the team? What would have happened then? Would they have sat him down? Would they have suspended him? Would they have kicked him off the team? I don't know. But I don't. the fact that Brandon Miller is the best player on right now, probably the second best team or third, first, second, or third best team in the country right now, Alabama, the fact that, that's, that it was that player and he's still playing is what bothers me because I think they would have handled it differently if it was a different player down the road, if it was a, a bench player, if it was a walk-on. Um, that's the part that bothers me, the fact that Alabama was just so – they were so passive about the whole thing and didn't really seem to um, to take this. They didn't take it as seriously as they should have. And they, it's all the way down the line. And they're all in line with this. President University, athletic director, you know, um, Oates. Oh, like they all kind of had the same mentality for it. And I can't believe that at a university where there's that much money that's generated through their athletic programs, that somebody in the PR, somebody along the way did not say, hey, you know what? We should probably handle it this way. We should probably do this differently because Alabama just looks, um, you know, win at all cost type thing. I guess that's what you've got in college athletics quite a bit, but uh, it's it's unsettling that that happened. And uh, you know, the, the Brandon Miller those never had to miss a game. That part definitely surprised me. All right, let's get back to sports. Um, actually, we'll do this first. Let's take a break. We're gonna take a break here real quick. We'll come back, and I've got some stuff about the combine I want to talk about, more NFL stuff, which is a year-round sport now. We'll do that all next right here. Thanks for tuning into the Jeff Fitoff Show. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Hello, sports fans. Fan stream sports. Jeeves Law Group. I've known Scott Jeeves for quite some time, and he's just like us, a huge college football fan, but he's not just another PI attorney. He is a ferocious advocate for his clients. Scott Jeeves is a board-certified civil trial lawyer and a certified circuit court mediator practicing in Tampa Bay for over 30 years. He is an AV preeminent rated civil trial lawyer and certified circuit court mediator. Folks, these designations are not just given out. They're given only to the best trial attorneys. But more than anything, Scott takes these cases personally. I've heard it from his clients. He's a fighter you want on your side. Insurance companies hate it when they see you're represented by Jeeves. He's just different. 727-894-2929 or go to JeevesLawGroup.com. That's J-E-E-V-E-S LawGroup.com and tell them JP sent you. Guys, let me tell you about Bay Area Modern Medical Center. Are you experiencing low sex drive? fatigue, hot flashes, moodiness, and you just don't feel like you have the vitality you once had, you're not just getting old. It's likely low testosterone. Studies over the last 20 years show a shocking decline in younger males aged 16 to 39. Older men have seen a sharp decline as well. Do something about it. Go see my friend Christopher Lugo at Bay Area Modern Medicine. Testosterone replacement is not a frivolous treatment. It takes a professional targeted approach that focuses on total body wellness, vitality, and emotional stability. Not a one-size-fits-all approach like many clinics use. They will monitor your blood work and adjust your treatment as needed for optimal results. Call 844 977 3477 or go to 
B-A-M-M-C.com. Now is the time to make sure your home insurance is in order. In the last year, many of us have made improvements to our homes. So call the folks at Italiano and discuss these upgrades to make sure you have enough coverage. According to a recent report, almost 64% of homeowners don't have enough insurance on their home, which is their most valuable asset. Also, a great time to make sure you have flood insurance. Even if your mortgage company does not require flood insurance, your home could still be at flood risk. Another big item as we enter hurricane season is making sure your pool enclosure is added to your policy and there will be no issue at claim time. That happens a lot. So call your friendly agent at Italiano Insurance to review your policies today. 813-877-7799 or italianoinsurance.com. Attention, if you are home shopping or looking for a refinance, and even if you already have the approval letter, you must call my man Scott Fitzgerald at American Mortgage Services. Scott has a brand new program available in the greater Tampa Bay area called the Community Advantage Loan Program. Get this, no money down, no mortgage insurance, no points, no origination fee, purchase or refinance and loan amounts up to $647,000. Now, there are some application requirements. It must be a single-family home, one unit, primary residence, and have a minimum 640 credit score. The program only applies to certain neighborhoods, so you have to call to find out if you qualify. So call Scott Fitzgerald at 813-294-7595 or email him at scott at amstampa.com. Now, even if you don't qualify for that program, Scott will shop your loan around, get you the best rates, and won't charge you the huge upfront fees. And if you've had issues with your bank calling you back, Scott will return calls immediately or at least the same day. 813-294-7595 or email him, scott at amstampa.com. Scott Fitzgerald, MLS 386-722, American Mortgage Services, 1000 North Ashley Drive, Suite 1020 Temple. Coming back at you. Now, more fans dream sports. All right, we're back now with the Jeff Fedoff Show. Thank you so much for sticking with me here. The um, uh, Combine going on the NFL Combine. And um, the big thing people are going to watch on this, the quarterback's obviously the big story. They usually are, especially you're like this when you know you could have four quarterbacks going in the top ten. Very possible. And uh, they are all they all appear to be pretty, pretty quality quarterbacks as well when you're talking about uh, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, um, Anthony Richardson, and Will Levis from Kentucky. Don't forget about Hooker from Tennessee. He's another guy who's going to go – probably in the second or third round. But the, the thing I was going to look at here is Bryce Young and his height and weight, his measurables. Now, um, I think he's listed like 5'10", 5'10 and a half, whatever, 187, I think, with Alabama. We'll see if he really weighs that much and they weigh him in. That's the big concern for people. Not so much his height. Guys, have, I, the height thing concerns me. Don't get me wrong. I think C.J. Stroud's the better prospect. I would not want a quarterback as small as Bryce Young running around leading my team. It because he's a mobile quarterback, and which he has to be for that size. You've got to move the pocket. You can't just stand back there and fire darts. So he has to be a mobile quarterback, which he is, which also lends himself, though, to more injuries. And when you're that size, if you are, if you do weigh that much, we'll see what he weighs with at the combine. But if he if he weighs that little or even less, I would be scared to death to take him. I know there's all this talk about what a great prospect he is, how a big of a winner he was, but I'm telling you, I Something like that. You don't get quarterbacks that size having sustained success in the NFL for the most part. Um, you know, Drew Brees, a little bit different. Russell Wilson, a little bit different. And I just don't see that with Bryce Young. But we're going to see in the measurements. He's also saying he's not going to throw at the combine. C.J. Stroud said he is going to throw at the combine, the Ohio State quarterback. I'm, tell- I- I'm-, I'm convinced he's a much better prospect than Bryce Young. Um, 
And I think he'll have a longer career and a healthier career than Bryce Young, just based on the size of Bryce Young and what quarterbacks his size have struggled with in the NFL. Look at Tua, look at Kyler Murray. We'll talk about Tua in a minute again, too. But um, that's my concern with Bryce Young. Anthony Richardson, the Florida quarterback, he has gone from like um, one of the long shots to be the number one pick overall to now one of the favorites almost to be the number one pick overall. So he's moving up the draft boards. He's going to have a chance to work out and really show his stuff at the combine. He's got a real chance to move up considerably um, when it comes to the uh, where he'd be in the NFL draft. So I I haven't seen enough of him to think he's better than Stroud. With Stroud, I've just seen so much tape on him. And, I, and being Columbus, certainly, yes, the Ohio State, a little biased. I got it. But I've seen more of C.J. Stroud in big games do well than Anthony Richardson. Look at Richardson's number from last year with Florida. He had a lot of passing games under 200 yards, under 100 yards sometimes, and um, did not impressed me as much as C.J. Stroud did. Speaking of quarterbacks now that are already in the NFL, the Cleveland Browns may have done something brilliant without even trying. They made one of the dumbest moves last year, in my opinion, of trading for Deshaun Watson and then signing that massive, fully guaranteed $230 million contract, whatever it was. But they gave up a lot of draft capital and signed him to a completely guaranteed contract, uh, more money than anyone's ever gotten guaranteed. It was stupid. But now it may be smart, and let me tell you why. Because Lamar Jackson and the Ravens still have not come to an agreement yet on uh, on what he's going to on his contract, and he's got a chance to be. They, they can tag him, but you know, uh, franchise tag him once, then the second year if they want to. But he's, he could be a free agent after that. But the money that Deshaun Watson got, and Deshaun Watson's not near the quarterback. That Lamar Jackson is, as far as accomplishments go, and as far as staying in trouble off the field. And Lamar Jackson had some injury issues. Deshaun Watson missed almost two years, though, for other reasons. But if what that has done, what the, what the Browns have successfully done, is made it really tough for Lamar Jackson and the Ravens to come to an agreement. So they are they probably helped themselves by being inept. Now Lamar Jackson, I he still doesn't have an agent negotiate on his behalf, but. If I'm Lamar Jackson, I would wait as long as I possibly can to come to an agreement because right now the Bengals have to sign. They're going to sign Joe Burrow to an extension. Justin Herbert will get his extension. And once these numbers keep moving up with people um, and the, the, the quarterback uh, the quarterback dollars, the max dollars and the guaranteed dollars keeps moving in the, in the direction that will favor Lamar, then he should hold out. Look, I, I, I don't know why the Ravens haven't – the Ravens need to sign him to a better contract than Deshaun got. That's all there is to it. So they are um, they have got until March 7th to decide if they're going to franchise tag him or not, which they will if they cannot come to an agreement um, on a long-term contract. Now, if they do tag him, that they still have a chance to negotiate after that a longer-term deal, or you can still trade him if they wanted to to another team. Uh, but there's two different tags they can put on him, and one of them, it's just they are the only team that can have him, uh, and the other one is a, a situation where teams he can negotiate with other teams, but... If they make an offer and the Ravens can either match the offer or they'll get two first-round picks from the team that made the offer to him. So they will make him um, an exclusive tag, which means it'll just be them. That's what will happen if they cannot come to an agreement. There's a few other guys, too, by the way, who uh, coming up, they've got till March 7th on these deadlines here. Um, Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs for the Raiders, the running backs. Also, um, Tony Pollard from Dallas, who had a big year last year. And I think Dallas should keep him and cut Zeke if they have to, if they have to choose between the two. Zeke needs to be renegotiated or released, one or the other. 
but Tony Pollard is a better running back option there. Or they get rid of both of them and, and go after Bijan Robinson in the draft, which is also a possibility. The Texas kid, uh, that's also a decent option, I think, for Dallas. And uh, Geno Smith and Daniel Jones, those guys are both um, players that could be under could be tagged as well. So uh, that likely would be if they can't come to agreements on long-term deals. But March 7th, though, is the date for that one. So keep an eye on that. That's coming up here in just a few days. Ravens trying to get something done. I know the Seahawks trying to get something done as well. Now, the Seahawks are interesting when it comes to the NFL draft. And if I'm Seattle, look, Geno Smith, great story. Comeback player of the year, fantastic season after a really rough career up to this point, and really put himself in a good spot with Seattle. All that being said, at number five in the draft, if I'm Seattle and one of those quarterbacks are there, I'm jumping all over it. I would, uh, it, provided I like the quarterback, obviously, don't just grab a quarterback. But if they have a quarterback who they like and he's there at five, I would take him right now over Geno Smith. Geno Smith had a, uh, a fantastic year, spotty career. So do you really want to pass up on a chance to draft potential generational quarterback because Geno Smith had one good year and he's, what, 30 years old now in his career. He's bounced around quite a bit, been a backup in a lot of places, didn't do well as a starter in a lot of places, so, or in a couple of places. So um, it, worth watching. If I'm Seattle, I certainly would consider um, grabbing a quarterback there at the number five spot. Another player in the quarterback realm I want to talk about here, Tua Tagovailoa for the Miami Dolphins. Now, they have until... They've got a chance with Tua. They have until June to pick up his fifth-year option if they want to do that. If I'm the Dolphins, I probably don't do that. If I'm the Dolphins, I would not pick up the fifth-year option. I would do what the Giants did, like they did with Daniel Jones, make him prove it this year. Tua's just had too many injuries, too many serious head injuries, too. We all saw what happened last year when he's on the field, and he's almost convulsing. Um, with his hands kind of tighten up, and it's too... I, I wouldn't do that. Um, I would not uh, sign two to the fifth-year option yet. I'd, I'd want to see what he can do and make sure he can stay healthy. It's a brutal sport. Guys get hurt all the time. We know that happens. So um, I, I would not do the fifth-year option on him yet. I would wait and see. His fifth year of his rookie deal, by the way, um, would he's got till May 1st on that. I'm sorry is what it is. May 1st is when he can – it's not June. It's May 1st when the Dolphins have to decide whether to pick up his fifth-year option. If they do that – that would be worth $23.2 million in 2024. So this is not concerned 2023. He's locked in. as a, the 2023. His salary's there. It's happening. This would be for 2024. It would be the fifth-year option for Tua. And again, if I'm the Dolphins, I do a hard pass on that. I wait. I see what happens. See if he can play this year. Make sure he's not doesn't have any more issues with concussions. But that's what I'd do if I were them. All right. Another break coming up here. Coming back, I do want to talk some more NFL. Uh, the a couple of guys got released, and somebody replied for reinstatement. And Russell Wilson being Russell Wilson, we'll talk about all that next on the JT Jeff Fidoff Show right here, FanStream Sports. Hello, sports fans. FanStream Sports. Jeeves Law Group. I've known Scott Jeeves for quite some time, and he's just like us, a huge college football fan. But he's not just another PI attorney. He is a ferocious advocate for his clients. Scott Jeeves is a board-certified civil trial lawyer and a certified circuit court mediator practicing in Tampa Bay for over 30 years. He is an AV preeminent-rated civil trial lawyer and certified circuit court mediator. Folks, these designations are not just given out. They're given only to the best trial attorneys. 
But more than anything, Scott takes these cases personally. I've heard it from his clients. He's a fighter you want on your side. Insurance companies hate it when they see you're represented by Jeeves. He's just different. 727-894-2929 or go to JeevesLawGroup.com. That's J-E-E-V-E-S LawGroup.com and tell them JP sent you. Guys, let me tell you about Bay Area Modern Medical Center. Are you experiencing low sex drive? fatigue, hot flashes, moodiness, and you just don't feel like you have the vitality you once had, you're not just getting old. It's likely low testosterone. Studies over the last 20 years show a shocking decline in younger males aged 16 to 39. Older men have seen a sharp decline as well. Do something about it. Go see my friend Christopher Lugo at Bay Area Modern Medicine. Testosterone replacement is not a frivolous treatment. It takes a professional targeted approach that focuses on total body wellness, vitality, and emotional stability. Not a one-size-fits-all approach like many clinics use. They will monitor your blood work and adjust your treatment as needed for optimal results. Call 844 977 3477 or go to BAMMC.com. Now is the time to make sure your home insurance is in order. In the last year, many of us have made improvements to our homes. So call the folks at Italiano and discuss these upgrades to make sure you have enough coverage. According to a recent report, almost 64% of homeowners don't have enough insurance on their home, which is their most valuable asset. Also, a great time to make sure you have flood insurance. Even if your mortgage company does not require flood insurance, your home could still be at flood risk. Another big item as we enter hurricane season is making sure your pool enclosure is added to your policy and there will be no issue at claim time. That happens a lot. So call your friendly agent at Italiano Insurance to review your policies today. 813-877-7799 or italianoinsurance.com. Attention, if you are home shopping or looking for a refinance, and even if you already have the approval letter, you must call my man Scott Fitzgerald at American Mortgage Services. Scott has a brand new program available in the greater Tampa Bay area called the Community Advantage Loan Program. Get this, no money down, no mortgage insurance, no points, no origination fee, purchase or refinance, and loan amounts up to $647,000. Now, there are some application requirements. It must be a single-family home, one unit, primary residence, and have a minimum 640 credit score. The program only applies to certain neighborhoods, so you have to call to find out if you qualify. So call Scott Fitzgerald at 813-294-7595 or email him at scott at amstampa.com. Com. Now, even if you don't qualify for that program, Scott will shop your loan around, get you the best rates, and won't charge you the huge upfront fees. And if you've had issues with your bank calling you back, Scott will return calls immediately or at least the same day. 813-294-7595 or email him, scott at amstampa.com. Scott Fitzgerald, MLS 386-722, American Mortgage Services, 1000 North Ashley Drive, Suite 1020 Temple. Coming back at you. Now, more fans stream sports. All right, we're back here. Thanks for sticking with me here on the Jeff Fiddoff Show. Uh, fans stream sports. Uh, powered by DSPmediaonline.com. And uh, Calvin Ridley is applied for reinstatement with the NFL. You remember Calvin Ridley was the uh, fantastic receiver for the Atlanta Falcons. He, When he was injured, he did some betting on some NFL games and was suspended for a year. 
by by Roger Goodell in the NFL, and now he's applied for reinstatement. He was a dynamic receiver when he was healthy out there playing for the Falcons, had a lot of great seasons with Matt Ryan at quarterback, and Ridley still has a lot left in the tank. Now he's applied for reinstatement. The other thing, I don't know if you know this or not, but he was traded at the deadline to the Jacksonville Jaguars by the Falcons. So he is now in Jacksonville. Think about what a weapon that will be with Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville if Ridley gets reinstated, which I believe he will. But that team, with how great they looked in the second half of the season and in the second half of that game against the Chargers in the playoffs, they had a huge comeback. If you add Calvin Ridley to that team with the talent they already have, look, I already think they're the best team in the AFC South. I like them better than Tennessee. I like them better than Indy. And I certainly like them better than Houston. But adding a talent like Ridley to that arsenal they already have, and with what a tremendous job Doug Peterson did there and changing the culture overnight from what the um, the dumpster was that Urban Meyer left there, the Jacksonville Jaguars, a playoff team already, a playoff winning team already, adding Calvin Ridley is better than anybody that could add to that team in the draft. So they will get so much better if and when Ridley can take the field for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm excited about that. I'm excited about Trevor Lawrence. Um, you know, I, the stupid what Ridley did, no doubt about it. Betting, uh, you know, on the, the mobile app and betting on the NFL, betting on the Falcons, even involved in the Falcons. I'm not sure he was on the Falcons or against the Falcons, but the fact he did all that, yes, stupid, um, a, a dumb thing to do with how much money this guy makes, how much money he lost in salary by being suspended like that without pay. But now he's with Jack. If, if he can get back, Jacksonville's going to be a very fun team to watch coming up in the 2023 2024 season. Other news. Uh, the Hall of Fame game was announced for the uh, 2023 season in Canton, Ohio. I think it's August 1st this year. It's the Browns against the Jets. Uh, the Browns obviously have Joe Thomas going in. The Jets have Joe Klecko going in for them. And what's interesting about it is it's the Browns' first appearance in the Hall of Fame game uh, since they came back in 1999. They played in that first game then, beat the Cowboys. I was all excited about the fourth stringers beating the fourth stringers or whatever. Um, but the um, – What's interesting about this game, though, I thought it'd be the, the I thought it'd be the Buccaneers and the Browns because the Buccaneers have not played there for a long time, and the Browns play the Jets in the regular season this year, and I thought they would try to avoid having a regular season matchup, even though the guys you see playing in the Hall of Fame game won't play in the regular season game. I just thought the NFL usually would try to avoid that if they could. Buccaneers haven't played there in a long time. They also have um, you know people going in this year. The Hall, someone going to the Hall of Fame this year. And so it would have made a lot of sense to have the Browns and Buccaneers. But uh, Browns and Jets, Hall of Fame game coming up August 1st. Cannot wait for that. I'll watch the first couple of minutes, and then I'll go do something else. But seeing live football, uh, NFL football, is always a big thing for me, even if it's just a preseason game. I just want to at least see it for a couple of minutes. Aaron Rodgers, the Green Bay Packers, current Green Bay Packers quarterback. We're not sure if he's going to still be the Green Bay Packers quarterback. Um, But – he uh, came out of his darkness, his darkness retreat, where he spent uh, three days or four days, whatever it was, in darkness. And it was a 300-square-foot room with a queen-size bed and a bathroom. And they said he had access to light. He could have had a light on if he wanted to. But now he's out of this. I don't know if he spent the whole time in darkness or not. Who the hell knows? And he has said that he wants to come to a decision quickly when it uh, as it pertains to either playing this year, playing for the Packers this year, or playing for someone else this year. He wants to do this quickly. He want to drag it on. Look, if I'm the Packers, I just say the hell with you. And I say, you know what? Let's just let's make a clean break. Jordan Love's been sitting here for a couple of years now. Let's give him a shot. Let's try to find somebody, a trade partner for Aaron Rodgers. 
And so he can have a fresh start to as fresh a start as Aaron Rodgers can have. And the Packers can have a fresh start as well. This looks a lot like when all the drama with Brett Favre, and now it's happening with uh, Aaron Rodgers. Apparently the Packers have um, the market on drama quarterbacks in their later years. The Jets could be a very good option for Aaron Rodgers. The Raiders said they won't be. The Raiders said they're not going to spend their draft capital or their salary cap space on Aaron Rodgers. He carries a huge cap hit. But um, the Jets seem like a viable option for Aaron Rodgers. I, If I'm the Jets, I'd rather have uh, Derek Carr than Aaron Rodgers just because of how young he is, and you don't get rid of a bunch of draft picks to get him. They're going to have to trade draft picks to get Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers might be a better short-term fix for the next year or two. But, hey, look. Don't discount the fact that Rodgers fell off last year pretty good. And part of it was because he didn't have a rapport with his receivers. He didn't work out with them very much prior to the season and all that. So part of of that's on him. But how much is it that he's just gotten older? Maybe that's it as well. So um, I'd be worried to trade a lot for Aaron Rodgers. I wouldn't want to do it if I were the Jets uh, or anybody for that matter. I think the Packers will ask for a lot. But I wouldn't want to give up too much for Aaron Rodgers. I'd much rather have Derek Carr. Again, no draft pick compensation with Derek Carr, and he's younger. And he's not that much of a drop-off, in my opinion, from Aaron Rodgers. Derek Carr is at the Combine. He met with three teams out there. Um, He met with the the Jets, the Panthers, and the Saints. Now, he's already met with the Jets and Saints before. This is the first time he met with the Panthers. Out of all those options, I think the Jets – are the best option for him. You got Garrett Wilson there as a wide receiver. And um, I, I think that that'd be the toughest division to play in of the group because the NFC South with the uh, Saints and the Panthers, they've got to contend with just the Bradyless Buccaneers and the constantly rebuilding Falcons. So I'm okay. I, if he wants to win right now, it wants to be the playoffs right now, Panthers and Saints are probably better options. But long-term, the Jets are probably the better option for Carr. We'll see where he goes. I think the guy is a lot better than... I, I think he is a top 12 to 14 quarterback in the NFL. And I know a lot of people think he's a lot lower than that. I put him in that 12 to 14 range. I would not, you know, I think he's better than most um, NFL quarterbacks. So whatever, whoever gets him is going to get a good quarterback. I just think that the Jets make the most sense for him. Speaking of the Falcons, uh, Marcus Mariota released by the Falcons after one year with them. Uh, starting in the, I don't think it's because of Desmond Ritter. It's to save salary, save some cap money. And again, there's other options there. Hell, maybe Carr could go there if they wanted to. If I'm the Falcons, I pick up the phone and I call um, the Ravens about Lamar Jackson and say, what's the asking price? We're just curious. See what it is. It might be something the Falcons want to explore. Um, They do have a lot of talent there still. And um, young receiving, young tight end, the solid running back in uh, um, Algier who's out there. So they do have some options there that would be enticing, I think for a quarterback to come into, and maybe Lamar would like to play for Atlanta. But that, if I'm the Falcons, that's the call I make. I do that. I'm okay with the Mariota release um, and moving on to a different quarterback. Maybe Lamar Jackson, maybe someone in the draft. Who knows? We'll see what happens. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about on this before I go to another break is Russell Wilson. The report came out from The Athletic that Russell Wilson, when he was in Seattle, demands not the right word. The word they used was asked. Russell asked ownership to fire head coach Pete Carroll and general manager John Schneider. Now, Wilson's people come out since this report and said, no, that's not true. He never wanted them fired. Pete Carroll's taking the high road. Just he's saying, I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus. You know, teammates or, you know, they're my players for life and all this stuff. And Pete Carroll said all the the Phil Jackson, um, kumbaya, correct stuff to say about the situation. But if it did happen, that speaks a lot to 
um, why the Seahawks unloaded Russell Wilson when they did. Now, Russell Wilson's in. They actually wanted, according to the report in The Athletic, Russell Wilson actually wanted Pete Carroll to be replaced by Sean Payton, ironically now the coach in Denver uh, for the Broncos coaching Russell Wilson. So um, it, we always have the, the talk about, you know, did Brady make Belichick or did Belichick make Brady? Well, we can do the same thing here. Did Russell Wilson make Pete Carroll? Because Pete Carroll was not a very successful head coach in the NFL uh, before he went to USC, obviously had success, then came back to Seattle. But he did not do so well with the Jets and with the uh, Patriots when he was in the NFL the first time around. So did Russell Wilson make Pete Carroll or did Pete Carroll make Russell Wilson? And I think it's safe to say that Russell Wilson was made by Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll should get more of the credit, I think, for how successful Russell Wilson was. Now, Wilson's got a chance to change that narrative. In Denver with Pete Carroll, or I'm sorry, with uh, with Sean Payton, he's got a chance to do that. We'll see what the Broncos can do. Uh, Sean Payton's come in and said we're going to do things a lot differently than they were done last year. Russell Wilson seemed to have free reign, office on the second floor, all these different members of his um, of his team, not the Broncos team, but of his um, you know like his uh, quarterback coach, fitness, strength and conditioning, all the different guys that are part of the Russell Wilson business were in there. And um, Sean Payton said that's not going to be the case this year. We'll see if that actually holds true. All right, coming up next, talk a little NBA, a little XFL, believe it or not, and college football wants to games to speed up, be a little faster. We'll talk about some of those changes coming up. It's next on the Jeff Fitoff Show right here on FanStream Sports, DSPMediaOnline.com. Hello, sports fans. FanStream Sports. Jeeves Law Group. I've known Scott Jeeves for quite some time, and he's just like us, a huge college football fan, but he's not just another PI attorney. He is a ferocious advocate for his clients. Scott Jeeves is a board-certified civil trial lawyer and a certified circuit court mediator practicing in Tampa Bay for over 30 years. He is an AV preeminent rated civil trial lawyer and certified circuit court mediator. Folks, these designations are not just given out. They're given only to the best trial attorneys. But more than anything, Scott takes these cases personally. I've heard it from his clients. He's a fighter you want on your side. Insurance companies hate it when they see you're represented by Jeeves. He's just different. 727-894-2929 or go to JeevesLawGroup.com. That's J-E-E-V-E-S LawGroup.com and tell them JP sent you. Guys, let me tell you about Bay Area Modern Medical Center. Are you experiencing low sex drive? fatigue, hot flashes, moodiness, and you just don't feel like you have the vitality you once had, you're not just getting old. It's likely low testosterone. Studies over the last 20 years show a shocking decline in younger males aged 16 to 39. Older men have seen a sharp decline as well. Do something about it. Go see my friend Christopher Lugo at Bay Area Modern Medicine. Testosterone replacement is not a frivolous treatment. It takes a professional targeted approach that focuses on total body wellness, vitality, and emotional stability. Not a one-size-fits-all approach like many clinics use. They will monitor your blood work and adjust your treatment as needed for optimal results. Call 844 977 3477 or go to BAMMC.com. Now is the time to make sure your home insurance is in order. In the last year, many of us have made improvements to our homes. So call the folks at Italiano and discuss these upgrades to make sure you have enough coverage. According to a recent report, almost 64% of homeowners don't have enough insurance on their home, which is their most valuable asset. 
Also, a great time to make sure you have flood insurance. Even if your mortgage company does not require flood insurance, your home could still be at flood risk. Another big item as we enter hurricane season is making sure your pool enclosure is added to your policy and there will be no issue at claim time. That happens a lot. So call your friendly agent at Italiano Insurance to review your policies today. 813-877-7799 or italianoinsurance.com. Attention, if you are home shopping or looking for a refinance, and even if you already have the approval letter, you must call my man Scott Fitzgerald at American Mortgage Services. Scott has a brand new program available in the greater Tampa Bay area called the Community Advantage Loan Program. Get this, no money down, no mortgage insurance, no points, no origination fee, purchase or refinance, and loan amounts up to $647,000. Now, there are some application requirements. It must be a single-family home, one unit, primary residence, and have a minimum 640 credit score. The program only applies to certain neighborhoods, so you have to call to find out if you qualify. So call Scott Fitzgerald at 813-294-7595 or email him at scott at amstampa.com. Now, even if you don't qualify for that program, Scott will shop your loan around, get you the best rates, and won't charge you the huge upfront fees. And if you've had issues with your bank calling you back, Scott will return calls immediately or at least the same day. 813-294-7595 or email him scott at amstampa.com. Scott Fitzgerald, MLS 386-722, American Mortgage Services, 1000 North Ashley Drive, Suite 1020 Tampa, Florida. Coming back at you. Now, more fans stream sports. And we're back here, final segment of the show. Thanks for tuning in here on the Jeff Fitoff Show, Fanstream Sports, DSPMediaOnline.com. Kevin Durant made his debut with the Suns last night, scored 23 points, Suns picked up a win, and um, I'm excited to see what this Suns team can do. They've got a very small amount, short amount of time to really mesh. When you got him, though, and you got Devin, can stay healthy, is going to win the NBA championship this year. I like them better than any other team, regardless of the lack of depth, but it is all contingent on the health. They have all had health issues this year, um, as far as like the older guys with Durant and Paul, certainly, and Booker also has had his injury issues as well. But I'm excited to watch this team and uh, see how far they can go. I do think they're the most exciting team to watch now in the NBA. And I don't want everybody to talk about Kevin Durant and the super team and title chasing. That stuff's happened for years. Now, the only reason the super team, people always bash LeBron about going to Miami or bash Durant for d- doing the way he did it. LeBron went to Miami not because he couldn't win with Cleveland necessarily. They took him to the NBA title, NBA championship, uh, NBA championship series, won the Eastern Conference with an awful team. But the team let him down. The front office did with the way they drafted. Michael Jordan didn't have to go seek out a super team because the Bulls drafted Scottie Pippen at the time. Scott Pippen, go back and watch the documentary, The Last Dance. Scott Pippen and Horace Grant and made other smart free agent moves, getting guys like Ron Harper, getting Robin at some points, drafting Coach. The Bulls organization was able to do that. The Lakers, Kobe Bryant didn't go chase or fetch free to go find a, a, a super team somewhere. Like, now Durant has done it. He did go to Golden State. Yes, best chance to win a title. We put so much heat on these guys um, to win championships. We always say that guys like, oh, Charles Barkley is great. Never won a title. Carl Malone was great. Never won a title. Um, Dominique Wilkins, great. Never won a title. Uh, even in the NFL, Dan Marino, great. Never won a title. So we put the pressure on them as fans for their legacies. They have to win titles. Durant's got two now. Um, you know, LeBron's got four. 
So um, I'm okay with moving around a little bit if your organization does not have things set in place for you. It's not set up for long-term success. If the organization makes mistakes in some of their signings they make, some of the draft picks they make, I'm okay with the player leaving to go try to find that title. Uh, LeBron James foot uh, injury on Sunday, avoiding surgery, out at least a couple of weeks. They're going to reevaluate him and see after that. Who knows when he's going to get back in there. He's 39 years old. He's avoided major injuries in his career for the most part. Hope he gets back. It's better for the NBA, better for fans, if LeBron James is in the postseason and is healthy. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that one as well. The uh, XFL is back, and I like a couple of new rules. I wish the NFL would consider them. I'll go over these quickly. I like the way they do the on. You have to convert it, and if you don't convert it, the other team takes over right there. If you're trying to go for the onside kick to, onside kick to keep the ball and you convert the fourth and 15, you get the ball. You get to keep moving like that. That's much better than the onside kicks in the NFL because those almost never, ever, ever work anymore because of safety issues. Safety issues with kickoffs, too. They In the XFL, they put the kicker way back, uh, back where you're supposed to kick off. The kicker is the only person around the ball. And then you've got the um, cover team, coverage team, and they're five yards apart from the defensive team, from the, the return team. And then you've got the return guy in the back. Now, nobody other than the kicker and return man can move up first. Once the return man catches the ball, or if the ball hits the ground for three seconds after that, then everyone else can move. But until that point, no one can move. I love that. I think that that's a rule the NFL should also look at is doing that one. And then the last thing I love is how in the XFL, when they go to a replay, it's completely open out there for fans to listen to at home. You can hear Dean Blandino talking to the referees about this is what it should be. This is what I saw. This is what I saw. What do you think? NFL is very secretive about how they do that. And I like the fact the XFL puts that out there for the fans. They can hear exactly what's going on um, as they as they go through this and figure out. I like the way the XFL does that. College football is trying to shorten its games. And a couple things they're looking at doing. One is as of right now, you know, when you complete a pass for a first down, the clock stops until the ball gets placed, and then they start it back up again. In the NFL, the difference is the clock never stops. With the first down, the clock is still moving while the refs are placing the ball. It's one of the rules we're looking at is changing that to where, except for the last two minutes of the half and last two minutes of the game, that then the clock will stay stopped. But other than that, clock moves on first downs, just constantly moves. The other rule they're looking at, I like that rule. The other rule they're considering, uh, which I like, is um, if if there's a defensive penalty on the last play of the first quarter, right now the way it's set, you have an untimed down in the first quarter. Or in the third quarter, if you have a defensive penalty on the last play of the game, last play of the quarter, then you have an untimed down for that quarter for the offense. They're going to scrap that potentially if they, this all passes through to where that will only happen in the second quarter and end of game is where they had the untimed down. Otherwise, they just move on to the next quarter and mark off the penalty and all that and let all those things happen. So uh, I'm also in favor of that rule. We'll see if that one goes through. One last thing to get to here. Uh, Joe Montana's jersey uh, that just sold. It sold for $1.212 million. It was a Super Bowl jersey that he wore, not for one Super Bowl. He wore it for two Super Bowls, which was shocking to me. Um, It broke the record that Tom Brady had. Tom Brady's jersey um, in a 2021 Super Bowl jersey, I believe it was, um, went for $480,000. Now, what's amazing about this Montana thing is that he wore it in a Super Bowl win over the Dolphins, the Marino-Montana one, where everyone thought it would be a matchup for ages. 
He wore it there. And then he wore it four years later, the same exact jersey. I can't believe there were no changes to the jersey that that made it impossible to wear. Like I'm not like the 49ers didn't change anything with the within the um the coloring at all or placement of a stripe or something, whatever it was. But the jersey, though, was the same exact one that he wore um and when he beat the Dolphins 38-16, the same one he wore when he beat the Bengals. Um in that game, I think it was uh, uh, on the last second drive, they threw the touchdown pass to John Taylor. So um, in 1989, I think the final score of that game was 20 to 16, if I'm not mistaken. But um, the fact that he wore the same jersey for two Super Bowls is amazing. But $1.212 million is how much it sold for a record for that. All right, that's it for me. Thanks for tuning in. Follow me on Twitter at That Happens. Fanstream Sports, DSPMediaOnline.com. We got a lot of great content. Check out all the other shows on here. And uh, I look forward to talking to you soon. Thanks so much and have a great day.